Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. And we've been looking at the title, The Fullness of Time, and that comes from Galatians 4.4, Uh, where Paul writes that it was in the fullness of time that God sent his son. And as we've been looking at how God sends his son in the fullness of time, we've been looking at the life of Abraham and how Abraham had to wait. Now, how many of you all like to wait? Anybody in here who's a fan of of waiting, right? Nobody likes to wait. And we uh, are people who have so much speed. We have... Uh, So many things that come to us instantaneously, and so that's even made us less uh, able to wait well. Abraham and Sarah, we will see in the passage of Scripture, have to wait many, many years for God to fulfill his promise that he would give them not only a child, but ultimately that he would give them descendants uh, as numerous as the stars in the sky. Uh, But they would have to wait many, many years for this to happen. And so we've been considering that when we are in seasons of having to wait, and all of us either have been or are in a season of having to wait on something, something that we are expecting, something that we are hoping for, and yet it's not happening Uh, on our timetable. And so how do we approach our situations and the seasons where we have to wait? And as we've been looking at uh, Abraham's life, uh, we are looking at these calls from the life of Abraham to trust. That in the midst of waiting, we have to trust. And today in our sermon, we're going to look at the call to trust in God's purpose. Now, why... Do we exist on the earth? What is the purpose of our life? Well, a lot of people have considered this and come to different conclusions. But we, those who follow Jesus, would say that we, and this is from the Westminster uh, Catechism, says we bring glory to God. We exist to bring glory to God and to enjoy him forever. And if you have any other purpose... In then bringing glory to God, then living for God's glory, it will not sustain your life. It will not lead you through the difficulties. It is only the purpose, the focus of bringing glory to God and enjoying him that we can actually have meaning and purpose and fulfillment in our lives. And so as we consider, how do we bring glory to God? We bring glory to God in this way, by depending on his provision and doing his will. We have looked at Genesis and the the progression of humanity, and we see that while in the beginning, humanity perfectly accomplished God's will, they did what he had called them to do, and they enjoyed the relationship with him. We have seen the entrance of sin into the world, and fundamentally, sin is moving the focus off of God and his glory and living for that and moving the focus inward onto the self and living for yourself. Uh, I have described 
my understanding of this as the cancer of selfishness. And all of us are carrying this cancer of selfishness within us. Instead of focusing rightly on God and expressing his love to others, we focus on ourselves. We depend on ourselves and our own abilities. And ultimately, we seek to do our own will. Uh, Another way that the scriptures talk about this cancer of selfishness is the flesh. And the flesh, living by the flesh, is acting in our power on our time to accomplish our will. And this is how we see humanity lives for the most part. We depend on our own abilities and we want things to happen on our own time, ultimately to accomplish our own will. We see this with individuals, this cancer of selfishness, people depending on themselves, focusing on their own purposes and will with Adam and Eve and through Cain, who would kill his brother Abel, and on and on through the generations of Cain after him. But then we see not only individual examples of this kind of selfishness and living by the flesh and for the flesh, but we see a collective example in Genesis of this selfishness as uh, all people come together and they're going to build a tower. Now for the kids in the room, what tower, if you remember early in the Bible, did people build together? Do you know? The tower of what? Babel, right? The tower of Babel. And Babel was about coming together. And uh, we read in Genesis eleven four, we read, And come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered throughout the earth. And so they were focusing as, as a collective group on making a name for who? themselves. Now, whose name were they all supposed to live for? God's, to bring glory to God, to live for his name and his purposes. But instead, they said, let's make a name for ourselves. And God had told them to scatter across the earth, to go everywhere, ultimately, as image bearers of God. But instead of going everywhere, what did they want to do? Stay in one place. Parents, have you ever wanted your kids to go somewhere that they did not want to go. Some of you have experienced that. And they wanted to stay in one place, right? Well, you have an experience of what it was like for God with the Tower of Babel. He was trying to get his children to go, and they wanted to stay in one place, to make a name for themselves. And this collective example of selfishness that we see with Babel is a declaration of independence. Andy Crouch writes, the city of Babel amounts to a massive declaration of independence from God. And so we we think about the declaration that we have in our nation of independence, but there is in Babel a declaration of independence from God that they are declaring collectively, we don't need God. We can do this on our own. We can make a name for ourselves. And this is the problem. This ultimately 
is what God addresses. And he comes down, he spoils their plan by confusing their language and scattering them out to the ends of the earth. And he focuses on one specific family. As, as all of these lines and all of these people and all of these families are streaming out, speaking different languages from the Tower of Babel, God singles out the line of a man named Terah. And Terah is the father of who? Abram, perfect, all right. So now we're connected to the story that we've been going through. So Terah is the father of Abram to become Abraham. And what God wants to do is to create a new nation, a new people that's going to stand out as different from all of the peoples around them. And it is through this nation, Terah and then Abraham and then all of those who would come from his family to become ultimately the people of Israel were to be a blessing to all the peoples on earth. God wants to bless everybody. And he's going to do it through this specific family and people. How is it that all of the people, all of the nations, everyone on earth is going to be blessed through Abraham and through his family and through the nation of Israel that they will become? They would do it by living, consider this, the exact opposite way of Babel. If Babel was a declaration of independence from God, and that was what defined them, they would be a people who were defined by their dependence on God. They would be a nation that would stand out because they were completely dependent on the creator of the world. And so this dependence, right, this was to be something that that started when God told Abram to leave his family, to leave his uh, community, the things that he was familiar with, and to go to a place that God would show him. Now, how many of you all have moved from your hometown where you grew up? Okay, good number of people. Now, Lebanon, people stay in place more than other places we've been. Uh, How many of you all, just curious, were born here in Wilson County? Okay, okay, good, a good bit. Uh, and so when we think about leaving home and the comforts and all that's there, it is this call that God gives Abraham to depend not on all of these other things, but on God alone. And that was to be what defined the people of Israel. Now, what we saw last week is that instead of depending on God Abram and his wife Sarai chose to depend on themselves. God was taking too long. Have you ever felt like that, that God's just taking too long, (laughs) right? He's not on my timetable. He doesn't see the things that I see. Well, that was how they felt. And so we saw last week that they took matters into their own hands. And Sarai gave Abram uh, her servant, Hagar, who was an Egyptian, And said, here, you take her and you can produce a son, a child through her because I'm too old. Obviously, God's not able to produce a child through me. And this taking matters into their own hands was a lack of dependence on God. It was a move away from God's purpose and towards dependence, which was like Babel. 
As a result of this, we read in Genesis 16, 6, Abram said to Sarah, here, your slave is in your power. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. Now, Abram and Sarah and their people were to be a what to all the peoples of the earth? A blessing. Now, we have Abram and Sarai with an Egyptian slave named Hagar not being a blessing to the peoples of the earth, the people around them, but instead they are a burden. They are not doing what is right and just, but instead Hagar is mistreated. And so we see this movement away from God's call on their life. But God does not give up on his plan. He comes back and he makes a covenant. And a covenant, if, if you are married, you are in a covenant. That's probably one of the only examples we have of what a covenant is, this agreement. And God makes a covenant or an agreement between himself and Abram. He's going to ultimately take them and he's going to accomplish his purposes through them. And he gives them a physical example, a physical sign of who they are called to be as his covenant people. And we read this in Genesis 17:10. We read, this is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Now this sign of the covenant, this relationship between God and Abraham and the people who would come after him is important. And I know this is an odd thing to preach about, but I I think there's something essential that we understand here. Because when Abram and Sarai had tried to take matters into their own hands. Instead of depending on God, they became independent and really used Hagar in this way. They were depending on the what? The flesh. The flesh, which we saw earlier. This is what Babylon does. They were depending on their abilities and their time to accomplish things their way. What does God tell Abram ultimately Abraham and his people, to do as a sign of who they are called to be as his covenant people. They are to cut off the flesh. They are to be those who are defined not by depending on their abilities, their selfishness, their purposes, but that is to be cut off so that they are depending not on the flesh, not on what they can do in their abilities, but on what? On God, this declaration of dependence on God. Ultimately, Jesus is going to show us the fullness of what this sign of the covenant was for. And Paul's going to write in Philippians 3.3, he says, For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in what? In the flesh. So he says the point of this Sign, the point of this surgery is ultimately fulfilled in those who do not put confidence in the flesh. That's what ultimately this is leading to that we do not trust in ourselves. We do not depend in our abilities. We are not focused in what we can accomplish on our time. That is to be something that is cut off, that is sacrificed, that is surrendered to God. Now, when I was Going through a season, and, and those of you who are part of Favorite Church or have been for a while will remember I was going through a season where I was battling cancer, and 
I really came to see how sin at the core was the cancer of selfishness. And one moment that this became clear in terms of God's dealing with me was that it needed to be cut out. And I I shared with you uh, here over the course of weeks that I believe God wanted to cut out the cancer of selfishness. And this concept here, based on this whole understanding, was key for that. That within each of us, there is this selfishness. And God desires to cut that out. He desires to remove that from you. Because this self-dependence, this self-focus is is keeping you ultimately from experiencing the presence of God. Do we see that? It's keeping you from experiencing the fullness of what God wants you to experience with his presence and in his power and ultimately um, the, the relationship that he desires for you to have with him. And so I think this is what we see with Abraham. And I think this is what we see with Israel. That God wants them to be different so that they can be a blessing to the nations around them. But in order for that to happen, in order for them to stand out, to be a blessing of those who do not, who are not independent from God, but instead are dependent on God, something had to happen. They had to be different. And so we read in Genesis 18, 18, Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation. And all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Had Abraham and Sarah done that in their treatings with Hagar? No, they hadn't done what was right and just. But now they are to be those who keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised. So how would Abraham and Sarah, and the people of God, and I would say ultimately us still today, accomplish God's purpose for us among all the nations and all the peoples. Well, it's by keeping the way of the Lord, by doing what is right and just. And in order for us to do that, in order for Abraham and Sarah and Israel to do that, There had to be this process of shaping and cutting and ultimately recreating. And this was what God was doing. Why did Abraham and Sarah have to wait decades, right? They were in their 80s before this promised child would come. Why would they have to go through all of the things that they had to go through? Ultimately, God was revealing through this time character issues that needed to be addressed And specifically their independence from God. He was growing them into people defined by total dependence on him. So when we have to go through these seasons of waiting, I don't don't have all of the answers and I can't give all of the reasons. But what I can promise you is that in these seasons that are uncomfortable, that you go through, that are not on your timetable, that you can't handle in your own ability, God's purpose for every aspect of your life, ultimately is to cut out that cancer of selfishness. and, And there's no doubt that these seasons reveal what is inside of us so that it can be dealt with and ultimately so that we can become the people who God desires for us to be. Now what we will see 
is that Israel does not do this perfectly. In fact, they fail in many ways at being these people who are defined by complete dependence on God. People who are completely surrendered to doing the will of God. They lose sight of God and his glory and they continually return to focusing on themselves and what they want. And yet ultimately this promise that God made to Abraham will be fulfilled not through the nation as a whole but through one particular offspring of Abraham. One particular individual who they were waiting for, the Messiah that was to come, Jesus the King. Jesus fulfills the promise that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How does he do this? Well, he does this by living a life of constant dependence on the Father. He is constantly in prayer He is constantly seeking the Father and he is constantly depending on the power of God for everything that he does. And so Jesus demonstrates in a way that Abraham and Israel failed to what it looks like to live a life of constant dependence on God. And Jesus also demonstrates what it looks like to sacrifice, to cut off, to surrender his own will in order for the will of God to be done. We see this in Gethsemane when he says, not my will, but yours be done. And ultimately we see this on the cross when he lays down his life to accomplish the Father's purpose. The Father's purpose for us, for all nations, so that we could be reconciled with God. We who have been separated from God could be reconciled and restored to a relationship with him. We who are guilty of sin and selfishness in any number of ways could be covered in his blood, forgiven of all of our sins. And this is ultimately the way that the promise to Abraham is fulfilled through Jesus. He is a blessing. And he is a blessing to those of us in the room this morning who have trusted in him. Not simply his birth, but his perfect sinless life lived in our place. And his death on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. And in his resurrection from the dead to free us from the power of sin and death over us. And you see, we receive this blessing through trusting in him. Abraham was defined by his faith in God. Abraham trusted in God and God counted it to him as righteousness. And we today are those who can receive this gift through trusting in Jesus, through trusting in what he has done for us. And when we do that, we are forgiven of all of our sins. But there's more to it than that. And I I want us to consider the fullness of what God desires, the fullness of the blessing that God desires for us. And you're like, more than forgiveness, isn't that enough? Well, hear the words of 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And he, Jesus, died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. 
Jesus died to set us free from what? Living for ourselves. Jesus died and rose again to set you free from living for yourself. Now here's a question I want us to ask. Is that what we want? Is that what we want? (laughs) Because this is what the gift is. This is the way that Jesus provides freedom. Through enabling us and empowering us by his spirit to no longer live for ourselves. Because living for ourselves, like Babel, ultimately leads to slavery. It does. The cancer of selfishness, it's there. And that will destroy our relationships. It'll destroy our lives. Ultimately, it keeps us in this this place of separation from God. And Jesus' desire is to set us free from living for ourselves. So that we might find freedom, not in living for ourselves, but in living for the one who died for us and was raised. That's the only way you will find freedom. Is by living for Jesus, the one who died for you and was raised. Part of this freedom from living for ourselves comes by joining the work that God is doing, the purpose and the plan that God has of blessing all the nations and all peoples on earth through Jesus. Ultimately, by seeing the people of those nations receive this blessing, hearing the good news of Jesus, trusting in him, and seeing Jesus receive the glory that he is worthy of. And in time, we will see this be fulfilled. Revelation gives us a picture of what is to come. And so we have these words of what will come in Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus will gather those who he has purchased, those who he has saved from all nations, all peoples across the earth. I'm gonna invite Dan Coe to come up here and, uh, and, and join us. Uh, but the reason why today is our, our Lottie Moon missions offering. And we give an offering that goes completely to support the work of missionaries around the world through uh, the International Mission Board. People who are committed to living not for themselves, but for the glory of Jesus and seeing people of all nations, of all races, of all languages, coming to worship Jesus as King. And so, Dan, I just want to give everyone an opportunity because some people, you may be here for the first time, so you've never heard of the International Mission Board, uh, and, and some of you may have no clue at all. Okay, why do we give this offering? What is this accomplishing? What is the purpose of this? Um, and so I want Dan to share a little bit more about that because he and his family serve personally, and so they're an example of what the money that we give goes to. 
but before that, Dan also has been going along with his wife, Julia, and their family through uh, a battle that, that those of you who, who are members of Fairview have heard of, which is with Julia's uh, battle with cancer that they've been going through for over a year yeah, at this yes. point. Is this on? This happened last time. It's on. Perfect. Good. All right. So, uh, yes. So, uh, October of last year, in the okay. middle, I'm going to share with you a little bit about the work. Uh, many of you will have heard uh, some about our work, but for those of you who haven't, I'm um, going to introduce you to kind of the work we've done. And in the middle of that work, really at the beginning of what was sort of the onset of our work there, uh, last October we did receive a cancer diagnosis that uprooted our lives from the field and brought us here within a short six days of the diagnosis. We landed right here at Fairview's um, Missions House on, on site. So mm-hmm. we're in the thick of that battle. Yeah. Julie began treatment last, uh, last November. Last November. Uh, okay. Yes, sir. So just yeah. over a year. Yeah. So when you came, how long were you anticipating being here? Yeah. I mean, I remember calling, calling Brant up, I think the day that we received the diagnosis and said, Hey, you know, anyway, we could try to procure a place for my family for maybe four to six months. So maybe that was naivety. I had no idea really what cancer entailed, what this battle would entail, nor did I anticipate the number of setbacks that we would face on this journey. So uh, I was hopeful. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so were the people on the ground there. We had all hoped that we would have been back well before now. Before now, yeah. right? Yeah. So your time was you yeah. know, four to six months. Obviously, yeah. you've had to wait. So as we've been thinking about this series yeah. of waiting and the idea of God's time versus our time. Mm. What's that been like? How, what have you all learned through the waiting that you've had to do? Yeah, I mean, there's so much. This series has been so spot on, but uh, I think suffice it to say that had God stepped in a year ago and, and performed that miracle that we all prayed right here for and back there for and around this city for, many of us have wept together and prayed together uh, for that miracle. Had he done so, there would have been uh, innumerable other miracles that we would not have been able to experience the greater miracle of this uprooting of selfishness from our own hearts that he's still, he's still working on because those roots of selfishness and pride do run really, really deep. Uh, and so, you know, again, had God stepped in and we're still asking him to do so now, uh, but he knows what he's doing, and, uh, and he's really concerned of our sanctification, our becoming more like Jesus, and he knows how to accomplish that. He's committed to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, I'm, I'm just praise the Lord for the way that you all have leaned into that through this time. Now, I know one of the elements, to kind of go back to our sermon, is moving this focus off of ourselves, but not simply off of ourselves. And I think this is important, but on to Jesus. Uh, and, and that is what drives the work of missions, the Great Commission around the world is, is seeing the name of Jesus lifted up, seeing people come into uh, this freedom that Jesus has purchased by his blood. And so just kind of share a little bit about the nature of the work that you do specifically, as well as uh, those who give to this uh, Lottie Moon Missions offering, what it is that they're supporting uh, of these missionaries. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So I've got some notes here. Um, so we talk about uh, in our work about there being different components of the missionary task. Those components begin with our entry, our entry into uh, uh, to serve among a given people group. I'm speaking of myself and the 3,200 other units that are out there, other missionary individuals and families that are serving with our organization. So we begin with entry, gaining access to a community and a people group. Uh, that leads into evangelism, which when people come to faith, we disciple them with a view toward ultimately planting new congregations, new churches, uh, and leadership development 
uh, which culminates in our exit. We want to be able to work ourselves out of a job ultimately, but not just to leave the people. We want to exit to partnership, and so that's key. And so I'll show uh, a few pictures here. There's our family, but um, as far as the need among our people, we've been called to the, uh, to the Israeli Jew. I emphasize Israeli Jew because not all Jewish people are Israeli, nor are all Israeli uh, individuals uh, Jewish. Uh, and so we've been called specifically to work among Hebrew-speaking uh, Israeli uh, Jews, um, just to give you a little glimpse, if you were to search just Jew in, in Joshua Project's search engine, which Joshua Project kind of tracks the status of the, globe, uh, the status of the gospel globally, you'd find 146 different entries for Jews. That just shows their wide diversity. So we work among one of those groups, the Israeli speak, uh, the Israeli uh, Hebrew speaking Jew. Um, those stats may be a little dated, but you see among the five and a half or so million uh, that are worldwide of um, of Israeli Jews, less than one quarter of one percent are believers. So that's one in every four or five hundred people would identify as a follower of Jesus, as a Messiah. And so the need is great. Uh, and so we need to get out there. If you can go to the next slide. Um, the growth has been, has been uh, you know, uh, noteworthy since 1948 when um, the... Uh, the, the land of Israel was reestablished as the Jewish homeland. There were only about a couple dozen believers uh, at that time, identifiable followers of Jesus among the Jewish people in Israel. Uh, but if you fast forward you know, to 2017, which is the, the year that we arrived, that number had increased to about 30,000. So now the population of, of Jewish people in Israel in 48 was about 600,000. By 2017, us getting there, the population of Jewish people in the land would have been about 6 million. So Substantial population growth, but with that, the increase of the number of believers is also, uh, again, noteworthy, but still incredible need there with, again, one out of four or five hundred people actually identifying as followers of the Lord. Um, So we got there. Uh, One of the ways that your giving helps us is uh, it enables us to learn the language, which is critical. If we're going to get to the heart of the people and be able to most effectively uh, uh, communicate the gospel to them. And so our first two years ish. Uh, by the way, the IMB will give up to four years for language learning, but we were uh, fortunate to, in about two years, be able to be released from full-time language learning. But your giving directly impacts that. Your giving directly impacts us getting to the field, gaining visas, gaining that entry I spoke about, but then also getting the language so that we can get into evangelism. Uh, and there's just that's just some of the ways in which we learned the language was in our congregation where they only spoke uh, Hebrew. There was no translation, and so we purposefully did that so that there'd just be full of full immersion experience, um, and so on. Uh, so leading into kind of discipleship, when we did get into, um, when we did accomplish our language learning goals, I don't know that they're quite accomplished yet. We're constantly learning it, but nevertheless, we did in February of 2020, a little bit before the pandemic, have the opportunity to move to the northernmost part of Israel, uh, where, uh, we live in a little village at the foot of the Golan Heights, and there's a river, a river that runs through it. And we've been fortunate in our own village to see three baptismal services, uh, mainly among young uh, uh, post-military uh, uh, young adults. These are Israel requires all young adults to go into the military for a period of time, uh, and so these are all individuals in their you know mid to late twenties, ballpark, maybe early thirties, and we've been uh, grateful from a diversity of backgrounds, not just Jewish people. We've had a Lebanese brother that's been. Uh, in fact, he's seen in that picture there that was baptized. And so um, really exciting to, to have been able to participate in that and be able to invest in these young men's lives. The um, senior pastor at this congregation, uh, upon my arrival and just getting into that relationship with him, really expressed that the, the most urgent need really was to invest in these, in these new believers in the work of discipleship and, and training them up. 
Uh, and also among them were some folks that were uh, simply seekers. We don't know really where they are, if they've yet come to faith, but um, being able to invest in them, and we've seen a, a lot of growth um, in those guys, and just really giving them reps uh, out in the community. We established uh, a couple years ago uh, work among college students um, in a college of about 4,500 to 5,000 that's in our community. There's three believers that we know of that uh, are part of our um, uh, faith community. And so just training them up, giving them opportunities to share uh, and serve in different ways in the congregation uh, has been a key thing. And then ultimately, like I said, so uh, the components of the missionary task lead ultimately to church planting. And so that is um, the pictures you see there on the on your uh, right is, um, is the congregation where we've uh, been most regularly. That's where we've been serving. A group from Fairview actually uh, uh, was able to go there and meet some of our, our colleagues. Uh, and then the picture on your left is uh, a picture of a new plant that was established in the summer of 2021. Uh, it began in a home and since then uh, evolved and grown and, uh, and and they're now meeting in a building of their, of their own. Uh, and then we have other work that we have, um, I should say that, that you know, colleagues of ours, co-laborers of ours have established in the Golan Heights, uh, just as recent as over the past couple of months. And so this vision really for multiplication of churches is one that is, is really critical to the work that we do as the IMB. Uh, and I'd say it's rare within the borders of Israel to see that vision, but it's one that our national partners hold and one that uh, we certainly resonate with. So we're thrilled to be a part of that and thrilled that you all get to be a part of that through your giving, through your praying, through your sending uh, us, and ultimately through your coming out there, through your going. Uh, out there, and uh, hopefully we'll be on the ground to meet you when you come to serve alongside us. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dan. Can we thank Dan and his family? Thank you, brother. And I'm going to invite the band to come up now and and to close us, but what I wanted for you all is to see uh, an example, again, of what it is that we're supporting. Those who have followed God's call to go, just as Abram was called to go, to leave what was comfortable, to go out and to serve the purposes of God. Many have left congregations and homes and families all across America to accomplish God's purpose, the, the purpose of making the name of Jesus great. And so we, are op- we have the opportunity uh, to support that work, and you can give either when you're on your way out the door this morning or online, you can always give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But we're going to Respond because ultimately the reason why we celebrate Christmas, the reason why we're gathered here this morning is, is to lift up and to worship the name of Jesus. And he is the only one who is worthy of the worship of all people, of all nations. And so we join in that. But I know that there are some of you, maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus and experienced the freedom that he purchased for you through his life and his death and his resurrection and so if that's you, we're going to have a prayer room, which is right over here, and that prayer room will be open. And so if you would like to talk with someone or if there's any kind of prayer that you need, we would invite you to respond as we sing together. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us on our own like Babel, seeking our own purposes in ways that would destroy us and others, but you sent Jesus. Ultimately, he came as the one who would bring a blessing to all nations because he would live the life that we failed to live He would die the death that we deserve to die. And he would rise from the grave to conquer the enemy that we could not conquer. So that we could be, yes, forgiven of all of our sins, but also so that we could be freed from this cancer of selfishness, freed from this life of living for ourselves that's empty, uh, Lord, and so that we could receive, receive the fullness that comes through his spirit 
and the life of living for Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we desire to be people who stand out from the world around us as, as you desired Abraham to be. We desire to be those who live in constant dependence and complete dependence on you and complete surrender to your will. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would even move now to continue to grow that within us, to cut out the selfishness and to make us more surrendered, more like Jesus. We ask all this in his name and for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.